0: Hi there, MJ here, your podcast host. This is the show where we talk about all things life, struggles, and trauma. Only full transparency, no filters, no judgment, because nobody cares. today I kind of want to go a little bit more in depth about something I touched on briefly last week so if you haven't heard the second episode pause this one listen to that one and then come back and finish this one (laughs) but just for a quick refresher I talked a little bit about the Filipinos concept of shame and how you know the expectations are ungodly they expect you to do ABCD and become XYZ. And if you don't, then you kind of bring shame to your family and you're considered, you know, a failure. And I feel like looking back now as an adult, I saw my mom go through that, you know, with her siblings. So it's definitely a generational curse. It's not just something that I personally went through, but mom did super awesome for herself. She made something of herself and You know, there were other kids who didn't get to have that opportunity or chose to not take advantage of the opportunities that were given their way. And I saw that the love was very different. You know, the kids that did something with their lives were favored and bragged about a lot more than the kids who decided not to. And um, I think it's very important as us, you know, grownups, I know a lot of you guys out there can relate To the whole generational thing i think that we it's up to us now like we have to control that because i know that was passed down to me as then you know the daughter and when i got pregnant i literally decided that that wasn't going to be something that i was going to do with my babies and um sometimes i wonder though if i'm too soft with them or not but anyway squirrel we'll figure that out later If you guys haven't noticed by now, I grew up in a very traditional home. And on top of that, my family, they were members of the Latter Day Saint Church, which is more commonly known as the Mormon Church. Um, There's a lot of really cool people that you meet in the church. I know that they kind of had their own stigma and stereotype going on across, you know, the community. But even when I took Emmy home, um, she was like, man, there, there are some cool people in that church. And I'm like, yeah, there is. Kind of just depends. I feel like that's universal for all organized religion. You know, the people kind of make it what it is instead of it being about your faith. But anyway, squirrel moment again. Um. This is not to bash the Mormon church at all, because like I said, there's some of the LDS members are one of the most pleasant people you'll come across if you ever get to. But the church believes in the Godhead. So that means that they believe in God, they believe in Christ, and they believe in the Holy Spirit. And they believe that they're three separate physical beings. They have um, four books. They have the Bible. They have the Book of Mormon. They have the Doctrine and Covenants, and they have the Pearl of Great Price. They don't ask me what the other three are. It's been so long. Um, Joseph Smith was the first modern day prophet, meaning that he was the one who restored the church on earth after Christ. I think if I have any members of the church listening to this episode, please feel free to fact check me in the comments because it's been a while. I will not take offense. The LDS Church has some of the most beautiful temples all across the world. And these temples serve as like, you know, places for members to go clo- grow closer to God. There are ceremonies held in these temples that are not typically held in the church buildings. My personal humble opinion, there's a lot of do's and don'ts in this church. And some of those don'ts are obviously no drinking no smoking these all fall into the category of something they call the word of wisdom which is basically taking in what's healthy for your body and avoiding what's not healthy for your body so like no drinking no smoking obviously don't do drugs just don't do drugs just don't and um caffeine is a huge thing so like no coffee no tea no coke no Mountain Dew, no Pepsi, no drinks with any caffeine in it, and um, it's basically just it's you know to keep the body healthy because we also believe that the body is God's temple, and no premarital sex is also a big one, no tattoos. That falls into the category of. Another thing that they call the law of chastity, which is basically living the modest life as God would want you to. Because the body is a temple, you treat it as such. So you don't vandalize the temple, which is tattoos. And you wear clothes that are modest, you know, because you're representing God. So they actually have these things called garments that they use as a guideline to kind of know what to wear, what not to wear. So if you wear a piece of clothing and the garments show, then it's obviously a no. You know, like no cleavage, no short shorts, no spaghetti straps. And I think another one of their big ones, aside from obviously the Ten Commandments, is homosexuality. And if you're listening to this and you know me outside of Spotify... I checkmark all of those don'ts. (laughs) I don't drink, but um, I drink coffee in the morning. I obviously had baby girl before I was married to her dad. I have a full ass sleeve and a back full of tattoos. And I love spaghetti strap dresses. And I'm married to a woman. So... I got shunned. (laughs) All joking aside, I was not shunned, but this is not to bash the Roman church whatsoever. Um, The church has their reasons for the principles that they believe in, and so does non-denominational, and so does Baptist church. You know, you just let people do what they want to do. Everyone has their own beliefs for their own reasons, and don't hate so much on people. But because this is the kind of family I came from, I knew coming here to the States with my mom, who served a two-year mission, and so did her husband. Quick side note, a mission is when a member of the church decides, by choice, at their own free will, to go to a foreign land for two years preach the gospel of God, and get as many people to convert and baptized into the church as possible. They do this because they want to. Like, they leave their family behind for two years to do God's work. And mom and her husband, they both did that. They were a match made in heaven. So coming here, knowing that, you know, the church standards were implemented strictly I knew that was going to be expected of me too and you know what it was I was expected to say my morning prayers and read the book of Mormon every morning and I was expected to say my night prayers and read the book of Mormon every night before I went to sleep and I finished the Book of Mormon like three different times and you guys it was it's hard read I mean I feel like the Bible is already a hard read on its own but the characters were different and the stories were different and the timeline is different. It was just all hard to put together. But um, that was very dominant in our family routine. We had family home evenings every Monday, which is when the family comes together in the living room. And they sit in a circle and you discuss what you learned about in ch- in church the day before or... You share your testimony of God, and you sing hymns, and you say your prayers, and we did that every Monday. It took about a month for me to adjust to this swing of things. You know, it was very apparent that the church was the center of our daily routine as a family, which was nothing new. I mean, it was also the center of our day, daily life in the Philippines, but I knew coming here it was going to be amplified. But anyway, within my first month here, of course, you know, mom did the mom thing and she took me to the doctor and the dentist to make sure that everything was fine. You know, things that I should have been doing in the Philippines, but didn't. It's so different here though, like the doctor checkups, evaluations and annuals and dentist appointments. Like in the Philippines, you only went to the dentist if something was wrong. My 10 years of life there, I went to the dentist that I can personally remember one time and one time only. And that was to get a molar pulled out because it was absolutely excruciating. And that was it. I was probably seven or eight. But I came here and she, you know, took me to the dentist. And you guys, when I got here, my dental health was so bad. And just to give you an idea, I probably have had 12 root canals my whole life. And now at this age, going to the dentist is such a walk in the park. Like, I just take a nap because the trauma started at a very young age. (laughs) So many people are like, I hate going to the dentist. And I can't relate. I used to, but now I'm just so used to it. But you also have to consider, I didn't have parental guidance back home. I didn't have a mom who was consistent about my diet. Like, you know, don't eat too much candy, you're gonna get cavities and go brush your teeth and make sure you floss and this and that. But when I was, you know, a toddler, I remember brushing my teeth with my mom every night before she left. That was our thing. And we would get ready for bed together. And yes, we were very consistent with brushing our teeth. But after she left, I didn't have You know, Lola did the best that she could. She loved me and took care of me the best that she could. But, of course, she was a grandma. So it's very different from a parental guidance, you know, who would monitor your habits and diets and stuff like that. So when she took me to the dentist, we did the x-rays and the evaluations. And the dentist was flabbergasted, for lack of a better word. (laughs) Appalled, with how bad the condition of, you know, my oral health was. So much so that they decided to call child protective services on my parents, not knowing the history of me. You know, like they didn't know that I was in the Philippines, which is a third world country, and dental health there is not a priority. And I had never seen my mom. So upset, my whole life. She was filled with so much anger and so much frustration. Which, looking back now from a mom's point of view, she never had to deal with CPS. Like I didn't even know CPS existed until you know later down the road. Like as Anjan told, I didn't know their purpose. I didn't know their objective. I didn't know. And so, trying to see it from her lenses. It seemed very blindsiding because the condition of my teeth was completely out of her control. Like we hadn't been together in years and she wasn't there to help with my upbringing and, you know, creating healthy habits for me. But I also didn't have mom and dad to do that. I had Lola who did the best that she could and... I can kind of understand where all the anger came from because she never had to deal with CPS with her three other babies. They were all under the age of three, you know, like she was a great mom from everybody's perspective. But to have me come here and all of a sudden be thrown a curveball and be like, what the fuck? I've never had to talk to CPS before. Yeah, I can see. I can see why I would probably get a little bit upset too. So I completely understand. And next thing I knew, from my memory and my perspective, the very next day after I finished at the dentist, uh, there were CPS representatives at our house. And they were doing interviews with mom and her husband and me and asking all these questions. I don't remember a lot of the questions that they asked, but I just remember after them leaving, mom was so angry, you guys. And a lot of that anger was verbally taken out on me. And I can see that I was, I can see how I was an easy target. You know, it it was after all my teeth and I'm the one who didn't take care of it. And I'm the one who didn't brush my teeth. And why did you eat so much candy? And why did you this? And how come you didn't this? You're 10 years old now and you should have been responsible for your own oral health and now I have to deal with this and now we have a case because you didn't do what you were supposed to do and it went on for about 48 hours and that was the first time I remember feeling so unloved by my mom you have to keep in mind how old I was though (laughs) I was 10 years old but with everything that had occurred up to that point, you know, not wanting to be taken care of by my actual parents and being taken on by my aunt and then coming to a completely new different country and only being here for a short period of time. And the person who I had thought was my confidant or was the best person that had ever happened to me and existed in my world was so fucking angry with me because of my tea. And I understood, you know, why she was upset as much as a 10-year-old can grasp. But I didn't expect all that to happen. Like, I didn't expect that CPS was going to get involved, which at that time, I still didn't know what they actually did. But apparently... Considering how angry my mom was, it was a big deal, and um, I felt like there was no regard for the fact that I just didn't have parents to help mold those habits with me as a young kid. I knew, I knew I was supposed to brush my teeth, and I brushed my teeth every day before school. Did I brush them every night? Yeah. Probably not. Did somebody make me? Nope. And I remember Lola, you know, getting upset with me if I had way too much candy. Which, to this day, I will admit, I still have the biggest sweet tooth in the whole entire world. And <laughs> probably started back then in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. You guys, oh my god, it's, it's the best thing ever known to humankind? kind. But anyway, I remember that incident being like the turning point me not really a turning point but maybe more of like an indication of how the rest of my developmental years was going to be in that household is I I had never seen my mom so mad you know like she didn't really have a reason to get mad at me from zero to six and then she was gone for four years so we weren't together enough for me to even really ever upset her like that And so to see her like that right off the bat within the first four weeks of me being here was like, wait, but you're supposed to love me. And like, I thought we were close. And and like, shouldn't we, aren't we supposed to have like this bond that we built so long ago? Like, why are you this upset? You know, like, is it really my fault? Is it Lola's fault? Is it anybody's fault? Y'all were the one who left and didn't want to stick around and help raise me like, Those were the thoughts that were running through that. After that, I feel like I gradually became or developed the characteristic of people pleasing at such a young age. I just remember never ever wanting to see my mom mad at me again or feeling unloved by her ever again because she was my person. She was the person I looked to for love and safety and comfort and happiness and she my world revolved around her and so to feel that way I was so willing to do anything and everything to never be the cause of her anger ever again and whether that was you know doing chores doing the dishes before I went to bed so that she didn't have to or changing diapers so that so that she didn't have to and making sure that the living room was spotless so that she could feel peace and happiness in her own home and I feel like to this day I carry that you know not just with my mom but with with certain people not everybody I'm learning to break away from that but there is times where I'm like oh man like I guess you know I don't want to I don't want to carry the burden of somebody else's negative emotions so in turn I do something that I don't really feel like doing or something that doesn't really make me happy doing so that somebody else could be at peace. But what does that really do? You know, it compromises our peace and our sanity as grown-ups. But of course, you know, as a kid, I was just so desperate to never, ever feel like that with my mom again. My mom was the center of my world. I loved her to pieces she was the person I ran to for love for comfort for happiness for peace for for good times and laughter and smiles and anytime she smiled I smiled and anytime she cried I cried and I felt her stress and whenever she seemed stressed I was like okay I have to fix it I have to fix it I have to do something to fix it and I I don't want to see my mom like that and whatever I have to do what is it what do I have to do mom like how do I help and looking back now, I'm like, damn. Yeah. I felt like it was never really reciprocated. I slowly became the epitome of the oldest child. You know, I did tours from sun up to sundown and I learned how to change diapers correctly and I learned how to bait kids properly and I learned how to tuck kids in and get them dressed and they taught me how to cook breakfast lunch and dinner so all of that kind of just eventually fell on my shoulders and at that time I was happy to do it for my mom. I was happy to see that she didn't have to do all of those things. And yeah, did I do some things with an attitude because I was a kid? Absolutely. Did I complain? Yes, sometimes. But I quickly learned that that wasn't something that was going to fly. I couldn't complain verbally. I had to complain in my mind. And there were nights that I would just kind of crawl myself to sleep because the best that I could do with cleaning the bathroom wasn't good enough for my dad. And I would have to re-clean the bathroom three different times until he was satisfied. But you know what? If it was going to make my mom happy, okay. I got it. I'll do it. All the while going to school, coming home and doing homework and not having really any help or assistance with my homework. Granted, I was already in fifth grade. But... All of that was assumed that I was just okay with it. It was just assumed that I had it, I got it, and so again, to go from being the only child, spoiled child, to being the oldest, to now all of a sudden having these responsibilities, it was hard. It was a hard adjustment for, and so thinking back now, like really, the reason I did it was because I wanted my mom to be happy. <laughs> and I didn't want her to have to do additional stuff you know I could tell that she was always tired and, and she was working a lot and I loved her so much that it was okay for me and I was going to swallow whatever fucking difficulty I went through and whatever expectation was of me in the house you know it came to the point where I was making breakfast for everybody and making lunch for everybody and making dinner for everybody so that everybody could eat before school, before work, and everybody could have dinner before we went to bed and did the same thing all over again. And I remember her telling me, like, you're not supposed to go to sleep until the dishes are done. So I wouldn't go to sleep until the dishes were done. And even talking about it now, it's really hard. There was so much love for me, to my mom. And I don't know if the love was just different or if it was just a circumstantial thing that I just so happened to be seven years older than her first biological child. so it was assumed that I was going to be the oldest kid and I was going to do all the chores because they obviously couldn't and I was just going to take on the responsibility of being a big sister. And it was always made seem to be like, you better learn this now because when you get older, you're going to have to do this. You better learn this now so that when you're older, you can be independent and you got to do this now. You got to do it the right way because one day, that was always like, the justification for the strictness that was existing in our household. <clears throat> and it may sound shallow that, oh, what, you think you had a rough childhood because you had to do chores? guys, it was to the point where dad was like, I need you to write out a schedule. Of what you're going to do every day. And so I did. I got a pen, paper, and a pen. And I wrote a schedule of what my typical day I thought was going to look like. And I showed it to him. And he was like, no, no, no. It needs to be, like, every minute needs to be accounted for. So I put timestamps. And I would put, you know, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And he was like, no, no, no. It's not detailed enough. So finally he was satisfied with six o'clock, wake up, read the book of Mormon, say my prayers, get ready for school, six thirty, make breakfast for myself and for the kids. Seven o'clock, brush my teeth, seven fifteen, leap to the bus. And from seven thirty to three fifteen, come home from school, three fifteen to three thirty after school snack. 3.30 to 4.30 homework, 4.30 to 5.30, I had to clean a damn room in the house. And after that room was clean, I had to make dinner for everybody. And dinner was at 6 o'clock. And then after dinner, I had to clean up after dinner, do the dishes from 7 o'clock to 7 30 to 8.30, get the babies ready for bed, 8.30 to 9 o'clock, read the Book of Mormon, brush my teeth say my prayers at 9 o'clock bedtime. That was a breakdown of my everyday life as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kid. And I always had to have it on the paper, whatever it is that I was doing that day. And if it wasn't on that paper, I better not be doing it. And whatever thing I was doing at 6.30 better be what I was doing at 6.30. And it just became so meticulous, almost to the point of unnecessarily unreasonable. And if I was ever caught watching a Disney movie with my siblings, when that's not what I was supposed to be doing on paper, oh my God, the amount of yelling that I got was dramatizing traumatizing <laughs> because my day had to be to a t on paper and if I ever scheduled like watch tv relax on that schedule it was not it was not okay but it was funny because that's not what I was told I was told you know like you can schedule time for yourself and do whatever it is that you need to do And if I did schedule that on that paper and I was caught having time to myself, it was like, well, did you clean the bathroom? Well, I see the living room hasn't been vacuumed. And you guys, these chores were an everyday thing. You know how nowadays it's like, oh, clean your bathroom every weekend. No, like the bathroom, the toilet had to be scrubbed every day. After I got home from school, no clutter was ever allowed in the living room, which oddly enough, there was like five toddlers in the house. And it was just, I laugh now because I'm like, damn, I really did that. There were so many days when I'm riding a bus home from school and I was just crying to myself on the bus because school was my escape. Like my days at home, my time at home was filled with things that weren't enjoyable to me, which again was presented as teaching me how to be a better person later down the road, which I will 100% attest to that. I am now a very responsible human being when it comes to chores in the house. But school was my escape. School was the place where I was allowed to laugh and, and crack jokes and have friends and run around and be an 11 year old and be a 12 year old. And I dreaded going home, you guys, because I just knew as soon as I got home, I was going to have to do the same thing that I was doing yesterday. And I slowly, definitely, surely, formed so much resentment for. My mom's husband, he was solely the one enforcing this schedule thing. And every night and every day that he came home from work, I had to give him my piece of paper and we had to have a meeting about all the things that I had checked off on that schedule. And the things that are checked off on that schedule, we would walk around the house and we would check to make sure that I did it right and those were the times we'd be like, this bathroom isn't clean enough, and we need to do it again. And when I get back in here, I better be able to lick this bathroom floor. That's how clean I want it to be. And as a kid, I was like, what? And I would I would lock myself in that bathroom, and I would cry, no, just cry for thirty minutes, and I would tell him that I did it again, I cleaned, and he would come and check. And all of a sudden, it was satisfying to him. So, yeah, I was, like, forming resentment and detachment, and it didn't feel like that's what dads are supposed to do. You know? Like, girls are supposed to be daddy's girls, and I was sure as fuck not. I remember so many times getting woken up at 3 in the morning because he left for work every day at 3 4 in the morning and he would go outside to get in his car to go to work and he saw that the trash can wasn't on the curb on trash days instead of bringing the trash can to the curb he would go right back into the house wake me up at 3 three thirty in the morning to go make me put the trash can out on the curb because I needed to learn a lesson and I'm just like now as an adult yeah I felt resentment back then as a kid and anger and frustration and like oh I just I hate you you know how kids think and um it wasn't until like maybe three four years ago that I realized, thinking to myself like, man, I wonder how their parents taught them lessons back then. Like, I wonder if their parents' choice of discipline was lecturing for four, five, six hours till two, three in the morning like they did with me. And I wonder if if his parents woke him up every time he forgot to put the trash out onto the curb in the middle of the night in his sleep as a kid and I kind of had an idea with my mom and you know grandma because you guys I'm telling you grandma was a hard ass and you know mom would tell me stories There or stories that she would tell me about how I would get mad at her and you know she would get smacked with a broom and it's just so funny how life is just one big circle And it is, like we can't blame our parents and our parents' parents for the things that they know. Like I mentioned earlier, I only knew what I knew. And I know for a fact they only knew what they knew. And because they knew what they knew, which I learned quickly what they knew, I took it upon myself to change the narrative. And so now, with my babies, the story is very different. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for caring enough to give me some of your time today subscribe comment leave a review and share this with your loved ones that you know would enjoy it next week's episode we'll be talking about teenage nightmares follow to make sure you never miss an episode and go on with your day as your unapologetic authentic self nobody cares